the governors uh, got together and said, look, let, let's play for a hog. Let's play for a pig. Ben and Eric gather at their laptops. One's a gopher, one's a hawk. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Pot of Rosedale, a bronze pig full of hot takes. I'm Ben, the resident Iowa fan. We also have the resident gopher fan, Eric. Eric, you want to say hi? Yo, what's up? We are here. We are getting pumped for college football season, and so we'll introduce our special guest, Travis Miller, publisher of Boiler Upload, the Rivals Purdue Boilermaker site. He's here to help us learn a lot more about what's happening with Purdue in the 2023 college football season. You want to say hi, Travis? Hi, Ben. Hi, Eric. Thanks for having me. I appreciate you uh, having me on here. So A lot of changes for Purdue, which you want to get to, but maybe we want to start with last year. Um Pretty good season for Purdue, all things considered. Um, we want to maybe talk about what went right, why Purdue was able to have success and make that Big Ten title game. Um, what went right for Purdue, what they did well. I really think it was just kind of everything that Jeff Brom had been building to for a while came together at the same time. Uh, he had brought in some of the best recruiting classes that Purdue had seen in quite a while because Danny Hope and Daryl Hazel both struggled on the recruiting path. You know, the, I, I honestly thought the 2019 season was going to be pretty good. But when you lose Rondale Moore and Elijah Sindelar on the same play against Minnesota, that kind of derailed everything. And that was an injury season. Then you had COVID where nothing was right. I mean, Indiana was a top 10 team. That should tell you everything was off right, in right. the uh, 2020 season. And, you know, things started to really come together in 2021. He had the two upsets of top five teams, won nine games, won a bowl game over Tennessee. And really, I mean, just players that had played a lot as freshmen and sophomores during the COVID year, they became juniors and seniors. I think he had six draft picks last year, a bunch of other solid guys. And really, it all just it all just meshed and worked perfectly. You got a little bit of luck, like Nebraska beating Iowa on the last day of the season. Uh, but really, I mean, this was a good team. They were arguably two plays away from winning 10 games in the regular season. Uh, lost in the final minute to Penn State. Lost in the final minute to Syracuse. They win both of those games. They're probably in the Rose Bowl, honestly, because uh, they probably would have been picked ahead of Penn State. So Yeah, and you mentioned the only other games you lost were Wisconsin, Iowa, and Michigan. So really not a not a lot like blemishes on the schedule if you look at it from last year oh no not at all i mean i mean at the time syracuse was in the midst of that run that got them to the top 10 and penn state obviously when they went on to win the rose bowl so they were a solid team and even in the big 10 championship game i felt it was a game where purdue didn't absolutely embarrass themselves in any way i mean they had a lead in the second quarter they they made it competitive into the second half Michigan was just the better team. They kind of wore Purdue down. So, you know, I'm very happy with it. I'll take the division title. Uh, you mentioned the Iowa game. That was a weird, weird game because Purdue's offense just completely abandoned it. Obviously, Iowa's got a great defense. But uh, Iowa's one of those teams that I feel like if you fall behind them by 10, the game's over. But if you get ahead of them by 10, the game's over with that offense. They're just such a conundrum of a team. Oh, it's they're, they're maddening. I mean, I, it, we, this isn't really the Iowa podcast, but everybody knows. I mean, the, the book is out on Iowa. Great even great special teams, terrible offense. I mean, that's it. You know, it's it's one sentence. You got it. Well, there was no David Bell, so that was that was really refreshing to not have one guy just single handedly <laughs> shred. What's really a great secondary, but uh, that, that was yeah, that was really nice. No, and yeah, it probably helped the Big Ten West wasn't maybe the strongest division. So you you mentioned Jeff Brom. 
leaves for Louisville. Now, Purdue fans generally accept that, okay, that's his alma mater, that's his dream job, and kind of have peace with the decision. You feel a little bit frustrated because he reached this this point with you guys? I think we were accepting of it. We're not surprised that he went there. He almost went there after year two, honestly, when the last time the Louisville position was open. And I felt like he, at that time, he wanted to build something a little bit more at Purdue. You know, those first two years were really good. He really recovered strong from the Hazel era. And then he felt like, okay, I want to I finish what I started here. So by year six, it kind of felt like it was the natural time for him to leave. The position was open. He didn't know when it was going to be open again. You know, he's coming off of a Big Ten championship. I think, honestly, the thing that hurt the most was not only did he leave, he took almost the entire coaching staff with him. I mean, we had to call Drew Brees in as an interim coach for the bowl game, and you saw what the result of that was. Um, You're down a starting quarterback. You're down an All-American in Charlie Jones. You're down half a coaching staff. Purdue just didn't, I mean, that, like I like to say, they were invited to participate in that bowl game, but it just did not work out in any way, shape, or form. And that was, I I think Purdue fans just kind of erased that from the, okay, it was a glorified exhibition, whatever. (laughs) Is Louisville even a better job? I mean, if you just looked at it objectively, I know, like you said, it's his alma mater, but like, it's really not a better job just straight college football coaching job. I don't think if you had seen some of our message board posts from people of Louisville, you would, you would think that around 2019, it was one of the greatest jobs in the world. And he was foolish for turning it down because they managed to win one orange bowl. But uh, I I'm with you. I think it's a lateral move, but I can't fault the guy for going home. Uh, sure. Really six years in West Lafayette. If you look at what your Purdue's program was before he came and where it is now, I mean, I have no ill will toward him. He rebuilt the program. He turned it into a winner. He got us to four bowl games in six years. And really just, I mean, I have nothing but, I wish him nothing but the best there. There's no ill will whatsoever because the place is, the place is in a much better spot than when he got here. So that's all you can really ask. Oh yeah, those were some bleak times before he got there. And Purdue's always fun under Jeff Brom, even when teams maybe weren't elite, even if they're just good. They were always fun to watch as somebody who spends his free time willingly watching the Iowa Hawkeyes, you know, always better. If you're going to such a fun team to watch (laughs) seven or eight games, at least do it scoring a lot. And hey, our defense maybe isn't elite, but you'll see some points. So, all right, we got a, 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 well, a lot of changes in the offseason, not just for Purdue, but for the Big Ten football. I mean, that's increasingly, with Big Ten being number two financially, I mean, it's, it's an interesting choice to go to the ACC, which is, it's not teetering like the Pac-12, but it, it's, it's, it's close. falling behind. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's a ways behind the Big Ten. But you got now you go with a defensive coordinator who transformed a really, frankly, awful Illinois defense into a superb one in a short amount of time. So as we start thinking about 2023 season, are are the Purdue Boilermakers drinking the Big Ten Kool-Aid? Are they going to be a defense first, run the ball, hard nose, three yards in a cloud of dust team? Is that where things are headed? I honestly think you're going to see the best of both worlds, really. Uh, Just because he went out and he got Graham Harrell as his offensive coordinator, and Graham Harrell is a Mike Leach disciple. And from everything that we have seen and heard, with Harrell getting Hudson Card out of the transfer portal, who was one of the best quarterbacks available in the portal, he was starting games last year for Texas. And mostly he had, I think, one injury. And then uh, that uh, Ewers, I cannot think of his first name right now, 
Uh, yeah. Ewers took over as the starter, and then they got Arch Manning, who I hear is a recruit of some note. Maybe his family's pretty decent when it comes to playing football. I don't know, but I can't understand why they would just trust, go for an untrusted name like Manning when right, it comes to right. football. Uh, but Hudson Card saw the writing on the wall there, and he left and ended up at Purdue. And I guess he's been just slinging the ball all over the field. So I think you're going to have a pretty good offense that's going to surprise some people. Coach Walters is, seems like he's fine with sticking, you know, everything with offensively in Graham Harrell's corner, and then work on the defense. So uh, you might see a little bit of both. Uh, I think you'll see an improved defense, and I think you'll still see a fun offense that likes to throw the ball around and. Uh, Puts the points on the board. So I guess on that, I mean, I, I don't want to pin you down yet on on what your prediction is for Purdue. Defensively, I mean, I think you know the Bugaboo has been the Purdue's had exciting offense and pretty iffy defense. Last year, Purdue probably had a decent defense, but maybe not a great one. And you, so you think things are trending even even better from like the 50th or so ranked defense to you're going to go up, you know, borderline top 25. I mean, how optimistic are are you for the improved Boilermaker defense? It really depends on how many of the pieces come together. Uh, like many coaches in a transition here in the middle of, you know, recruiting season and everything else, he hit the transfer portal hard. So you've got a lot of new faces there. You've got some guys that at least on paper look like they're going to be pretty solid guys, but they may not have some experience or they may not have experience in this particular type of defense or anything. And they may not have a lot of experience playing together. I'm thinking of, one guy in particular that is very, very interesting on the defensive line. His name is Jeffrey Mba, and he was allegedly the top junior college transfer player in uh, in the country a few years ago. He ended up at Auburn, didn't play a ton, and then now he is at Purdue, and he is a six foot six, three hundred and twenty pound defensive linesman. That's pretty big. Yeah, if he lives up to that, you know, number one ranked junior college player in the country uh, before 2022, he lives up to that at Purdue. He's going to be really, really good. But, uh, you know, how is he going to how is that going to fit in with everything? The secondary is basically being rebuilt. You've got a couple of transfers coming in that look like guys that will, you know, play immediately. But. How are they going to fit in with the system? And that is the area that Ryan Walters had a ton of success with at Illinois. I mean, he, three of his four starters last year ended up getting drafted, including the number five overall pick. So if things stick well, yeah, the defense is going to be great. If they, you know, it takes a little while, there'll probably be some struggles. So I think, I mean, everything is just kind of up in the air right now for that. And it'll be interesting to see how that comes together. You've got a transfer from Vanderbilt on the defensive line. You've got a transfer from Stanford in the secondary. You know, transfer from Penn State in the secondary. Transfer from Penn State on the defensive line. As I mentioned, uh, Mba from Auburn. A couple of guys from Mississippi. So, I mean, they're getting high-level FBS players how are they going to play together, and will it all come together? That is the biggest question right now. Is there any particular game that like jumps out to you that is worrisome? I, I, it looks like Purdue has a pretty similar schedule to the Gophers, where you got both Ohio State and Michigan, uh, you know, from the East. Pretty decent non-conference games. You got Syracuse again. I'm just curious from your perspective if there's a specific game that jumps out at you that worries you. One Fresno State. 
team that won 10 games last year. They won their conference. I know they lost a lot. They lost their top running back, their top, their quarterback, their top receiver. But uh, we've seen over the years what Fresno State can do. I mean, they have that famous, they will play anybody, anytime, anywhere. They, this is their chance to make some noise against a Power 5 conference opponent. You know, Purdue is such an unknown. You don't know what you're going to get. And so... I think we're going to find out pretty quickly how things come together because this is a tough test. And then you've got week two at Virginia Tech, a, a, a team that admittedly is not prime Virginia Tech. I believe they were three and nine last year, but uh, they're still known for having a good home field advantage. And that is a tough road game. And then you get Syracuse, a team that was all over the place last year for a night game in West Lafayette. So those three non-conference games are going to be very interesting. I could see Purdue winning all three. I could see him losing all three if things go really badly. I could see him one and two, two and one. I just don't know at this point. So I kind of like that the non-conference schedule like that is a test for them and will probably say a lot about how they're going to perform in the Big Ten. It sounds like even the Purdue fans are, are as not knowing what to expect as everybody else. And then you, you've got, I mean, you're right that you have Ohio State and Michigan on the schedule. Yes, uh, we, Purdue goes to Michigan for the first time in 12 years oh, uh, wow. because allegedly we're in the same conference as them. And then Ohio State has to come to West Lafayette, which, as I like to say, that is their house of horrors. They have a losing record there this century. Purdue is 5-3 and three at home against them in Rail State Stadium since the 2000 season. Yeah. Uh, that is the fun thing about any time I talk to Ohio State fans or Ohio State sites is they are legitimately afraid of playing in West Lafayette because bad things happen to them there. <laughs> and you you start Big Ten play against Wisconsin. It, it, what is all the hype for Wisconsin? I'm not feeling it. I'm not understanding. Am I missing something with that team? Uh, well, Luke Fickle, obviously a solid coach there coming over from Cincinnati. And there's not any hype for me. Uh, Purdue's lost 16 games in a row to Wisconsin. It is the longest losing streak we have had against any single opponent ever. They run all over Purdue nearly every time that we have played them. Of those 16 games, only one of them has even been remotely close, I think. And that was during the 2018 season. Purdue lost to them in triple overtime, mostly because Jonathan Taylor did Jonathan Taylor things. I think in his three games against Purdue, he ran for like 850 yards. That is not an exaggeration. And I, I specifically remember scoring a touchdown at the end of the second overtime. And it was when Purdue had the second possession and they elected to kick and go to a third overtime. And my thought was, why are you doing this? Go for two, win it or lose it on one play while Taylor is safely on the sidelines. And you've got Rondale Moore. <laughs> Right. You know, get the ball to Rondale Moore. Let him win the game when Taylor cannot beat you. And it's like the moment that they decided to go for to send it to a third or overtime. It's like you knew Taylor was scoring another touchdown, and he did. <laughs> yeah, that's got to be a tired defense. Uh, well, yeah, and Eric just uh, they also have a very hype transfer class. According to the transfer rat rankings, they have one of the, the the best set of transfers coming in overall. So that's why everybody's hype with the and they're going to a new scheme offensively. So they are supposed to be more dynamic offensively. That's where it comes from. But you're also a Wisconsin hater, so I mean, that's take true. The skepticism with a grain of salt. I, I have to <laughs> ask from an Iowa fans' perspective, Travis, are, is there a receiver like David Bell that we? should be terrified of 
That is the big question. I think Ben still has nightmares about David Bell. I think he sees him in his sleep. Just... I, I, I'm never going to forget David Bell just stiff-arming Matt Hankins into another dimension, whatever it was, two years ago, and then just running another 60 yards. I don't think he made it to the end zone, but he made it into the red zone. I mean, it was just ludicrous trying to cover him on a – it was a shallow cross. It was just it was bonkers. Anyway – I'm sure you saw and, it too, Travis. And I know Bell was not the only guy that gave you guys problems. Uh, you had Anthony Mahungu in his first season, in uh, Brahms' first season, had two touchdowns, and they had that play where, or I think Brahm ran like the play, same play three times to Mahungu, and it worked all three times, and that's how they won in uh, Iowa City. And then the next year it was Terry Wright. I think he had a three touchdown game, and then of course you mentioned David Bell, uh, safely off to the NFL for you guys. That is one of the biggest questions that you've got for Purdue. I know last year, Charlie Jones was a bit of a surprise. He comes in and <laughs> not only does he have a great year, he basically shatters single season receiving records. I know he had a rough game against Iowa, but the rest of the season, he was just phenomenal. Purdue doesn't really have a guy that kind of stands out as, yes, he is the number one. We're going to this guy uh, receiver, but I think they have a lot of good receivers and if you're looking to spread the ball around like Graham Harrell does they're the kind of receivers that you want uh I've heard some good things about Elijah Canyon he was a transfer from Auburn before last season he got hurt in the first game of the year and just missed the rest of the year so we only got a very brief glimpse of what he can do TJ Sheffield is the most experienced receiver coming back he you know he's been a pretty solid slot guy over his career uh, you've got a couple other guys that have been in the program a while, and Mershon Rice and Abdur Rahman Yassin, who are former four-star recruits that have battled injuries, but they've got a lot of promise. They've shown some flashes. And then, as always, you've got some transfers in. Uh, they got a junior college receiver that has uh, looked very, very promising, looked like he can uh, play quite a bit. And uh, uh, dang it, I'm getting the names right now. <laughs> Sorry. You're, you're rattling off names really fast. Overall, I'm pretty impressed, Trevor. So if you, yeah, you, it's all good. You, you're firing them off. <laughs> yeah, Jaden Dixon Veal, that was his name. Uh, he he comes in as a uh, junior college transfer. Uh, the guy that was supposed to really break out, Jamal Edrin, a transfer from Florida Atlantic, he tore his ACL already and he's out for the season. So mm-hmm. we're a bit of a step down there. I'm kind of high on Jerron Tibbs, a six foot three, two hundred ten pound freshman out of Cathedral here in Indianapolis. Cathedral is a powerhouse program in the state of Indiana. They are always threatening to win state championships. So if you get a guy from there, one of their top players, you're getting a good player. I'll, I'll be interested to see how much he plays and what kind of an impact he has. So okay. what's a, what's a successful season in 23 look like? How many wins are you hoping for? I just want to get to a bowl game, uh, okay. six or seven wins. I think there's a lot of toss up games. I don't think that there's a lot of games where Purdue is expected to win walking away. Uh, I would say Northwestern's probably only one right now, maybe right. Indiana where I'm like, okay, you guys should, shouldn't have a ton of trouble winning this, but there's not a lot of games. They don't expect them to be totally out of them. I would be shocked if they won at Michigan, even with Purdue's, uh, success against Ohio state in recent years at home, I would be surprised if they beat Ohio state and I'd be surprised if they beat Wisconsin because beating Wisconsin in football is a lot like Purdue getting to a final four in basketball. I'm going to believe it when it actually happens and not a second before. 
<laughs> just because there's so much trouble there. But any of the other games really are, I think are kind of toss ups. And I don't think, uh, I don't, I wouldn't be surprised to see Purdue winning them. I wouldn't, I'm not, but I'm not going to call any of them a definite win. So, but there is Zach Eady's coming back, right? Zach Eady's coming back. You got a we chance just had the, We just had the worst loss in NCAA tournament history. I'm not, I was in the building the night that they, came within a second of going to the final four and that shot went down for Virginia and they lost in overtime. I'm not counting it until it happens. I, I, they've broken me as a, a professional. Yes. I, I do think that they have Zach eating. You know, they have Zach eating coming back. They're going to be a top five team fan wise. No, they have broken me and I'm not going to believe it until it actually happens. I just want to point out, Travis, you were the one that initially brought up basketball. It didn't, <laughs> didn't come from either Eric or myself. And, and hey, you know, streaks against Wisconsin can and Eric knows all about it. he's a gopher fan. They had uh, uh, how many was it? Was it 15? It was close Something to like 16. that. Yeah. It was around 16. Yeah. Took a long so, time. It's almost it? as long as the lost streak deference. So. <laughs> no, not quite. I think we got a good ways to go yet, but you are in the midst of the longest losing streak to Iowa Minnesota has ever had. We'll digress. So, as I, you know, I, I know jokingly we sometimes referred to Purdue from the Iowa's perspective as their most hated rival. Is it really just Indiana and then a bunch of other teams, or what's the Purdue hate metrics? You know, who who does Purdue fans hate the most? There's been a lot of chirping this offseason at Illinois, uh, wow. mostly because of uh, Ryan Walters coming over from a defense that he built there, and there's been some recruiting battles. So I think that has the potential to be a little spicy. Well, uh, okay. and Bielema can be obnoxious. I mean, he just, again, former Wisconsin okay. guy. I digress. Sorry, I interrupted you. Uh, but yeah, Indiana is it just historically with the old Oaken Bucket. Uh, Notre Dame was there when they were on the schedule every year for 70 years, but that's kind of cool since they we've only played them once since I think 2014. Right. So that's cooled a lot. And uh, but yeah, I would say Indiana, Notre Dame. That that's about it, honestly. Like you said, we have the whole most hated rival thing from when we were paired together in the Le- Legends Leaders game. You know, it's it's been fun. There's been some close games there, but you know, most Purdue fans have been through it with football. Honestly, the 2021 season, going nine and four, winning a bowl game against an SEC team. I'm like, great, fantastic. Last year. Winning the Big Ten West, uh, I'm like, great, fantastic. You know, I have no notes. I, I can't complain about anything the last couple of seasons. So, you know, with football, we're, you do something like that on the regular, we're going to be happy fans. What a mature adult attitude about your football team. How can I adopt this? I wish I need to learn from you. Uh, step one is suffer crippling and horrific <laughs> losses in March every year for three years. Okay. Uh, uh, that is step one. That will help you learn to appreciate football where you just have no lofty national expectations. And when you do hit, you know, when you hit on a few, it's great. They're, they're wonderful. <laughs> I mean, you should be in that position, Eric. I mean, the Gophers have struggled, and now you're consistently winning – Eight games, nine should games. Should be very happy about it, yeah. Beating Wisconsin for the first time, really, in the 21st century. You know, you should be living living large. So, this is the final year of the Big Ten West. We're going to be saying goodbye. Unless maybe it comes... I don't... You know, honestly, I don't know. I shouldn't say that. That's I could be wrong. Do you have any inkling of how they're going to handle adding four more teams to the schedule in 2024 and how they're going to break that down? We got rid of divisions. Are we bringing them back now that we have... Is the total, is it 18? Are we at 18 right now? Now, as of 
10.35 p.m. Eastern Time, uh, August 22nd, 2023. Uh, <laughs> Thank you. I keep, I, I keep hoping that this is all a dream because I was on vacation last year when the USC-UCLA stuff started to trickle out. I'm like, there's no way. That's got to be a joke. And then, you know, hours later, it was actually happening. Honestly, just I, I cut everyone out. Let's go back to ten teams. Kick Penn State out. Let's let's just go back to the way it should be. I have no idea what they're going to do in scheduling. I would not be surprised to see divisional thing. I mean, there, there's a way that you could do it with nine games. You give everybody one permanent rival. You rotate the other eight teams for two years and then switch to the next eight. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Why don't we just get, let's do what they want to do. Just do it for football. Let's go back to the old school Big Ten for basketball and all other sports. Have your mega league for football. Just this, whatever. Uh, Produce an original member of the Big Ten. I don't care at this point. We're OG. We started this thing with our president back in 1896. We're grandfathered in. Just keep the checks coming and then don't mess with it for other sports. Fine, whatever. So <laughs> I love that. That was a great rant. I love that. So with these teams out, I mean, you think Purdue's job just got harder? You know, you mentioned, you know, wanting to occasionally be in the conversation for a Big Ten championship uh, and, and reaching that kind of summit and uh, winning seven, eight games. Is that now harder for Purdue to do in this new landscape with four teams out West? I, I think it just depends on how the schedule is going to break down every year. And you can't say anything until they decide sure. what's going to happen and how it's all going to break out. I mean, everybody's afraid of USC. Well, USC's had some down years of late. I mean, UCLA, they haven't done anything of note in a while. I mean, Oregon's been really, really good, but... You know, Purdue actually had a home and home with them in 2008, 2009, and both games were fantastic. Uh, The one in West Lafayette went to double overtime. The one in Autzen was a two point game. So, you know, honestly, whatever. (laughs) Sure. Well, the only thing about it that I genuinely look forward to is is those teams on the West Coast having to come out to the you know Midwest in freezing cold weather in November. Probably like a noon central. Time, they won't do that. Or Eleven o'clock uh, central, noon eastern. The, I I cannot see that happen. Making USC play eleven a.m. central time in late November in Iowa City. I, they have to. How can they not have any road games in November at eleven? I and mean, they don't do night games in the you know Big Ten traditionally because of the weather. And that's their policy. So it's either eleven o'clock or it's it's eleven o'clock or two thirty. So anyway, I think they're going to have to. I think they're going to have to. I don't know. Just like it's going to go the other way around. But you're hoping for six or seven wins. Travis, is that what you think you're going to get? You got to make a prediction. I think so. I think they'll they'll win at least two of the non-conference games, and that will be key. If they win all three of those, you know, then I'm really going to get excited. But I think they win two of those. I think they beat Indiana and Northwestern. I think they find a way to scrape two more wins together out of that. You know, I could see them beating at Illinois because they've got Illinois at home. Maybe they can finally beat Wisconsin, catch Wisconsin as they're trying to change to an entirely new offense. Uh, maybe there's a potential there for Rich Rod at Michigan in year one. He changes the offense and everything goes straight to hell. Who knows? 
But uh, I, I think they find a way to get to six or seven wins, and that's where I'm staying. And I'll be happy with that. I mean, it's a transition year. You've got a lot of new parts. New coach can get to a bowl game in year one. Fine, let's do that. That's fantastic. Interesting you skipped two games you didn't mention uh, at Iowa and at home versus Minnesota. How do you see those games shaking out? I mean, Iowa, same. Get up on them by 10, game's over. Fall behind by 10, game's over. (laughs) That's kind of what's happened the last two times against Iowa and Purdue. Purdue got a 10-point lead in Iowa City, rolled to a win. They fell behind by 10 last year in West Lafayette, lost. So, And then Minnesota, man, there's... All I'm hoping for is to avoid a catastrophic injury because something awful always happens and Minnesota is usually involved. You know, even even Drew Brees' final play of his career, he was picked off by Antoine Winfield. <laughs> hmm. I mean, you've got the Robbie Hummel injury. You've got uh, Sindelar and Rondale Moore getting hurt a few years ago. Robbie Hundle tear. Robbie Hummel tearing his uh, ACL again as Purdue is playing Minnesota in football. Just, you know, if we can get out of there, if we can get out of there without something horrific happening to either the football or basketball team, I'll be happy. Uh, I've I've come to call the barn the demon wood of Zabulba because of that. (laughs) Hummel had a good run with the Timberwolves, though. Yeah, he did. He did. He came back. He came back to redeem himself. No, I mean, that, that was all I had. I really appreciate you joining here today. Uh, yeah, we right. appreciate your time, Travis. Thank you. We learned learned an awful lot, actually. Yeah. It was really helpful. I, I've been trying to figure out where to put Purdue on the power rankings, and I have no idea. Saw the over-under was five. I'm like, I don't know. I have no idea. Big shrug. They're the team I know the I, least about. I have no idea either, and I'm paid to cover this team, so it, it'll be interesting to see what happens in the opener. <laughs> it will. We're, we're, all right. Well, we got live football coming up in a week and a half. So we're very excited to, to watch it all unfold. Thanks for your time, Travis. Good luck to the board. I can see Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it.